Hey everyone, this is Chief Speedwriter Brooke Pryor, and we have a great show for you today. Up first is a replay of our Facebook Live video from Wednesday when we previewed the Chiefs game coming up against the Steelers. And afterward, stay tuned for my interview with Pittsburgh Post-Gazette Steelers beat writer Ray Fittipaldo. We are live from the Chiefs training facility, or just everyday facility out here beside Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, we're here for our midweek Facebook Live. I've got Vahe Gregorian on this side of me. It's easy for you to say. <laughs> Blair Kirkhoff on the other side and Lynn Worthy a little bit farther. Uh, and we're just going to break down what's been happening with the Chiefs since we chatted with you guys late Sunday night and uh, going into the Steelers game. And the first thing that happened this morning is Patrick Mahomes named AFC Player of the Week. Uh, I was actually on the radio when it was announced, and uh, Stephen St. John said, well, look at that, we have some AFC Player of the Week news. And I thought, oh, Tyreek Hill, he definitely deserves that. And it was actually Patrick Mahomes, who is also deserving of it, but in a week like this, and in that first game, I mean, how could it be anyone other than Tyreek Hill? What, what did you guys think? I kind of agree, and if you want to read more analysis on this, go to Brooks' uh, <laughs> Twitter page right now. She's already posted something, right? This is supposed to all work together. You're right, you're right. And, Thank you I, for plugging my story. But I was just reading it, as, and I sort of thought, yeah, I mean, if anybody was just watching their first NFL game that day, who are they remembering? Tyreek Hill. I, I think. Sure. Gotta be. Yeah. Well, but... Uh, I mean, maybe that's not the measure, but that's how I saw it. Um, Tyreek's uh, initial... Play. His burst was a special teams play, not an offensive play. And I don't think he was so, special teams play of the week either. So, so. And, and there were other returns I noticed this weekend in the NFL. I, I don't know. Look, it's a Tyreek has been special teams player of the week in the AFC before. Um, it's kind of neat that Patrick Mahomes in his second ever NFL game gets to be AFC player of the week. I noticed that Alex Smith won this award in this spot a year ago for his game uh, his, his game against the Patriots. So. Chiefs have cornered the market on, <laughs> on opening bids for AFC Player of the Week, Offensive Player of the Week. It's true. I mean, although I, I will say looking at his stats, it felt like they were kind of padded. I mean, he, he had over 200 yards passing and then four touchdowns, but two of those touchdowns were the little sure. shovel passes, which I think, you know, if you're going to credit anybody, credit Andy Reid uh, for those. But Patrick kind of chortled about that after the game a little too, which I kind of appreciated, right? Mm-hmm. He was like, you know, those he are good for a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Oh yeah, you, you gotta love those as a quarterback because you know you, it goes all goes in his passing yards. Yeah, <laughs> minimal work, all the reward. Everything goes in his passing stats. Hey, one last aside on Tyreek. I think we, I think I have this right. So the last two years, he's been a Pro Bowl player based on special teams. That's right. Okay. Right. And. I don't know if he declared it openly last year, but I do believe there there is certainly a uh, a sentiment or thought that he would he wants to get there as a receiver. He did declare it. He, he talked and about he did. That. That's yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, okay. As Blair noted, he he made an open declaration that his his goal is to be you know seen as the more complete player and make it as a receiver. And and look, every, every time we watch him as a receiver, especially the last year or so, I mean, you can see. The skills are far beyond just being fast. I mean, there's a he, he plays the position impeccably. Well, how about the catch? The catch he made right before halftime, mm-hmm. where, where he, the one where he had suffered this this like it was concussion. right at the end of the first quarter. For, yeah, was it the first quarter? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because that's yeah, because he had 169 yards in the first quarter, I think, or something like that. But it was ridiculous. He goes up between a couple of guys and, and snares it. His hands are the surprise to me. And I think probably to the Chiefs as well that. I don't think they knew what they were bargaining for with, you know, with his hands. And, um, and he, it's not like he had a chance to showcase it in college. He was just a return guy at Oklahoma State and a kind of a running back at West Alabama. He's got terrific hands. He, he does. He does. And look, the footwork, the balance, the, the agility, everything, it's, it's pretty amazing to watch him. He, the would-be player of the week. He would right. be. Yeah. And he will be. He, and he, yes, and I he mean, this, there are, what, 16 yeah. more weeks of this? Yeah. Um, also, we've had someone note that Sam is not here. You're correct. Sam skipped out today. So Vahe skipped last week. Sam skipped <laughs> this week. And maybe one day we'll get everybody here all together at once. I, I've got no answers, you know. <laughs> I was busy with other things. Other things. <clears throat> Vacation. So... Um, but anyway, <laughs> I just wanted to address that so you guys didn't think that we just disappeared, Sam, and didn't explain I we it. We picked up a sponsor this week. Uh, we did. Subway, <laughs> if you'd like to to give us money, we'll promote you every week because it's hard to put a value on the product placement. Um, 
here in the Len Dawson room, but uh, I mean, look, the only restaurant near us is a gas station. Yeah, right. there's a gas station subway. So yeah, I don't think they have to give us money. Free food works just as well. Yeah, we'll we'll take any of that stuff, um, and we'll talk about you on our podcast and in our Facebook lives. Um, but I think. <laughs> Continuing on the offense, um, I know tomorrow I'm writing about Mahomes and his lack of sliding ability because, man, there were the first, I think, was it the first series that he tried to slide down and he kind of like barrel rolled into it and took a whole bunch of contact and it just kind of went, oh, that's not good. That's not what you want. I mean, what what do you guys remember seeing from that? I remember flinching and and I, I can't remember if it was, I think it was two of the first three series, something like that, but the one that stood out... I think it might have been the second series, only because the first series ended with the the, the Tyreek touchdown. But it might have been the right. play before that. I can't remember. Nonetheless, he he just stayed exposed way more than than he should have. And you know, Mitchell Schwartz, I think under your uh, um, interrogation, um, gave gave a good response about how you know, on one of the plays it was third and two. He picked up he picked up the first down by mm-hmm. staying up. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is a new rule in the NFL this year. He had right. to stay up to get to get the yards because right. when you start your slide, the the ball is spotted where you begin your slide, not uh, not where you end up. Basically, where the ball ends up. Mm-hmm. So uh, it used to be, you know, if you're untouched, you got the you got the yardage basically the progression. Right. But now it's when you start your slide. If he had slid, he wouldn't have picked up the first mm-hmm. down. Isn't it when when your body hits the ground that the first point of contact yeah, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So if so you went down on your butt. That's the one that, the one that I remember though was at the goal line. Yeah, remember, yeah, remember, yeah. Remember, he's, remember that when he's, remember he's, that. he's trying to fight his way through it, and somebody actually stripped the ball out. There was a penalty on the play, but I'm thinking, man, I don't your quarterback there. I don't, I don't unless you're a Ben Roethlisberger sized guy. I, I don't, I don't want the quarterback doing that. And look, that's his read, right? Go ahead, yeah, Torlin. Yeah. So I think there was one, and I'm, I think I want to say maybe it was the third quarter where there was one where he goes right up the middle and sort of does that same thing where he sort of turns and rolls into mm-hmm. it, which in the middle of the field in the NFL, I mean, Mahomes is not a small guy, but he's also not Ben Roethlisberger like we were talking about. So that's where you're going to guys who are really just chomping at the bit to get a, a, a hit on the quarterback are going to take the shot. And maybe even, I mean, depending on who you're playing against, they might even give up the 15 yards to take a shot at mm-hmm. right. Mahomes because, you know, they'd rather see Henny out there. <laughs> exactly. Know? Or they'd rather see him banged up out there trying to make some of those throws that he makes. Exactly. I, I never go good look at that replay, at least on the, the uh, play that was not a fumble because of the, I guess he was ruled down, right? But well, there was, was a penalty. There, there was, was a penalty, penalty. that's right. Mm-hmm. But, but was it, um, without the penalty, was it a fumble? You know that's a I good question. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Well, I, I don't. I don't remember if it would have been. Uh, it was. It was a Chargers penalty because it, it yeah. came first of all to one, it, yeah. and I yeah. think yeah. that was the DeAnthony Thomas. It was uh, right. Jet, not jet sweep, but the the, the shovel pass. So, um, but the Chargers all thought it was. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they stripped it out. You know, I, I don't remember the, hearing the whistle blow, but his legs were still churning, and they stripped the ball out and. You know that that would have been the least of the worries, really. I mean, you really do leave yourself open to you know the, the you know to, to the hit there yeah. And, yeah. and the stuff that goes on in the pile. <laughs> yeah, you know you, that's okay for offensive and defensive line, <laughs> but you don't but want your quarterback, quarterback involved in that. And that usually trouble. stays in the pile. I mean, yeah. you don't usually know what's happening there, right? <laughs> well, and especially the first game of the season, the last thing you want to see is him being this exposed going into playing Pittsburgh, which is a really physical team. I mean, I, I, he, he told us that his dad always said he was like the worst baseball slider he ever saw, and maybe he needs to get some lessons from his dad going into this week just to, hey, maybe don't leave yourself so exposed. Maybe go down like you're you know, supposed to and not barrel roll into people or whatever it was you were doing. There's a game going on over here in a couple hours. You can go over there and study. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. Do whatever you got to do. Get extra credit homework. I don't know. Sam, it was, I think it was Sam that reminded us a while ago that uh, Mahomes was a pitcher. He ain't sliding too much anyway yeah, to start with. When it, that was a really good point. No wonder he looked at me like I had three heads when I asked him <laughs> if he was going to channel anything he learned in baseball this week. He was just like, no, I don't well, think I'm sure he spent so. some time on the base paths, even as a pitcher. I mean, you as would the, say. the talent that he was. Um, it's, yeah. That's all. That's all. That's <laughs> I actually right, had well, thought that I, that I lost it. It's, uh, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, injuries or potential injuries, Eric Berry, we got an update on him today. Not practicing today. We did see him out on the field. Still walking around, doing what he does, just you know, not actually playing or practicing. Um, and someone noted in the Facebook comments, 
asking if this is the first time that Reed has referred to Barry's injury as the Achilles area. And for, from what I can remember, yes, this is the first time, but I think we kind of want to get some clarification on that. You know, he, yeah, he did call it the Achilles area. Well, the heel's in that general it, area. It is. Right. You know, and, and I, it's, a, it's been listed or, or called, described as a sore heel, right? Through, as soon as August 11, I think, was the last day of practice. August 12, we get the injury report. It's a sore heel, and that's what we've been going on. This is the first time it's been called something other than a sore heel or described as something in a different place than the heel. So I, I don't read too much into that except that, um, you know, there's soreness, you know, wherever, you know, where the heel, Achilles, wherever it is, there's soreness. But I, I think the takeaway from today is it's they're, they're playing the long game, uh, and they're not, you know, they're not going to rush them back. I just go back to last year when he missed all of all of training camp with a sore heel, played in the opener towards Achilles, and was gone for the year. So uh, they're not going to come out and say that. Chiefs aren't going to come out and say that. But you got to think that's in the back of their mind that they're absolutely they want him to be 110 percent ready to play. Um, so look, when he's uh, when when he is ready to start practicing again, he won't be playing that week. It'll be. When he starts practicing, you expect a two- or three-week delay before he even gets in a game, I that, think. And look, that to me is the, 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 the point of complication in this. I mean, he sort of keep being given the notion that it's almost day-to-day, but, but without the specification that he's not practicing. Day-to-day. So right. it's not really day-to-day. day-to-day. I don't think they're using that term, but I, I think that's been I don't know. They said sort of, literally. Oh, yes, right. Last day-to-day. week it was literally. Literally. Literally day-to-day. So then you have it's to say this day-to-day. is a regression. If it was well, literally day-to-day last week, I mean, I'm overstating. We don't know. I mean, yeah. Andy Reid said today they like his progress, but who really knows? What, like, what is that progress? What does that look like? Because as far as we can see, it's pretty stagnated. He isn't practicing. That's right. what you know. progress would be practicing, and right. that well, hasn't happened yet. I think they have said that he's done some stuff you know, before practice with the training staff. They've, they haven't been specific on that, but I believe they've said that a couple of times. He's been doing some things. We don't know what exactly that means, so... In theory, I guess the progress could be in what he's doing outside of practice, but again, we don't really know that. And, and that must be him, what I mean. We, yeah. When we were watching indoor practice in the indoor facility the other day, we saw him down there like, throwing the football with the, in drills, mm-hmm. like helping assist you know the coaches in drills. And he was the guy in the, on Sunday at the game. He was the he was the vocal guy in the middle of the huddle before mm-hmm. the game, the the fire up speech. Uh, that's that was him. And mm-hmm. um, I look. Uh, I, I, I think the only game that's being played here, the Chiefs are just trying to not be terribly open about you know about the injury. I don't think they know, to be honest with you. I don't think they know for sure exactly what's what the deal is or when he's going to be back. And we're sort of we're at the mercy of their you know of their announcements, their pronouncements of, of Eric Berry. Yeah, I wouldn't expect him back in the next couple of weeks. I, I just wouldn't. No, I, I think you're right. And I, it was interesting talking with Kendall Fuller today, asking about, hey, you know, I know Eric Berry hasn't played, but how much does it mean to you to see him out at practice and being the guy at the center of the huddle? And he said, well, he's a vet. It feels like he is playing, even though he's not actually physically on the field, you know, during the game. The fact that he's around, I think, you know, someone asked why not just put him on IR and have someone else that can play. I think it's because they hope that, by keeping him around, they're keeping him involved. They're keeping you know everybody's chemistry good, and I think that they're also helping that he comes back before eight weeks. So, I think it's a good sign that he isn't on IR right now. It means that you know maybe it could be just three weeks. Especially given the the help they need, whether it's depth or whatever, that you know you're not just doing it to do it as some kind of uh, prop or some kind of you know mirage, right? I mean, it, it's right. there's that forces you to have a practical mm-hmm. reason for not doing it. Another sign of him not being there were the 570 yards that the Chargers had on. <laughs> That's also true. And uh, on that note, let's look at the defense and uh, how they did against. We talked about this a little bit on Sunday, but they you know, obviously ended up beating the Chargers, but there were a lot of yards that were put up. I want to defend you, by the way. Oh, thanks. So, so we're, you know, it's halftime of the game, and... We, we, we huddle, we, we talk about the stories that we're going to write and how we're going to shape and frame stories. And you're asking about the gamer. And we're all, you know, somebody's obviously going to write about Tyreek Hill and someone's going to write about Patrick Mahomes. And you say, well, I want to write about the defense. I think that's a good call. I mean, first <laughs> half, the defense, they made some plays, right? They, they did, a, did a good job. Through the third quarter, 
You know, it was 31 to 12. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty good game by the defense to that point. And then it all then the just fourth quarter happens. Fell apart. Well, the fourth quarter happens. It's it's not tw- it's not quite garbage time, but it's you know, yeah. the chief it's it, it let's just the Chargers are a capable offensive team and they run up and down the field two or three times, right? To get to get their points. It's hot, it's miserable. The Chiefs offense is a three and out. There was a reason why they got as many yards in the fourth quarter as they did the first three. I still think the defense gets a passing grade for that game, even though the stats don't look like it. I th- when that game was won, yes. When mm-hmm. that game was won, the defense had played well. Yeah, I, I think so too. Well enough. Yeah, exactly. And they, and they also had. I mean, you, you had one turnover. Probably could have had a second one. Um, Parker, you know, made a yeah, nice yeah. play on the nice ball. Play. But oh, but a spectacular interception. Yeah. If you I mean, along. when they had to come up with the sack, D Ford sack that was early in the game. I believe it was on the third down that basically, you know, to, uh, ended that drive right there. Right. Um, through three quarters, you know, I mean, again, like you say, it looked pretty good. In the fourth quarter, the other thing that we sort of overlook is they were on the field almost that entire fourth quarter because the offense wasn't doing much. Yep. The offense had, was it four yards of offense in the fourth quarter? I mean, mm-hmm. I think Andy alluded to it the other day that they get, yep. they have to have more than that. they got to do more than that offensively. And by not doing more than that, they sort of, I mean, I don't want to say hung the defense out to dry, but, I mean, that's where a lot of those yards came up, I think. I think the number was something like Philip Rivers had as many passing yards in the fourth quarter that Mahomes um, had the whole game, something like that. I think it was like 280 or something like that. Yeah. You yeah. know, a couple things that stuck out to me, and it's kind of funny. We went into this game thinking, well, okay, the Chiefs are probably team is going to score some points, and what about the defense? And in a weird way, we don't – I do give them a better than passing grade for this game, but in a weird way, we don't really know anything more because, you know, how much is just um, the circumstantial part about a sag with a big lead mm-hmm. – but the flip side is how much of that big lead and those stops were about five or six passes being dropped that would have changed the game, um, things like that. So I still feel like it's just sort of a, a, a muddled thing. I don't really have any better sense of how good they are defensively. Uh, it seemed like they were able to stop the run a bit more. I thought Hitchens was, was uh, pretty pretty stout. Mm-hmm. Um, but stats, right, 15 tackles? Yeah, I think he led the team in he tackles. He did, 15 tackles. Yeah. So. But he was out of place a couple times, too. I, I think he'll... He was. We talked to him. Yeah. He'll, he'll tell you that he, he did some. He, he's got some work to do too. But but look, that'll show up. It'll be illuminated in another way this week, right? I know no Le'Veon Bell, um, but oh, I do think the, the Steelers are a running threat nonetheless, and uh, that's going to be a, a big part of the focal point of how to how to win. Right. Well, and as Andy Reid said today when he was asked, "Hey, no Le'Veon Bell, like you're not going to have a problem, right?" And he said, "Well, that other guy's pretty good too." Um, and he's right, James Conner, really good, obviously good player, has an even more amazing story, beat cancer, uh, went to Pitt and the University of, and now is playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's one of those feel-good stories that, you know, if Eric Berry was healthy, I'm sure we'd all be jumping on that, you know, storyline. Um, although I'm sure it's also already been written in the last two years. <laughs> um, but yeah, looking at, you know, Le'Veon Bell's stats, he had in the last five games, I forget, you I think Mitch Holtz Mitch Holtis tagged you in a tweet about it. Right. How many yards was it? Over 800? It eight, 844. In the uh, last five games? Yeah. All purpose, maybe all purpose. I don't know if it was rushing, but all purpose. I know in the last two, 179 here and 170 in the playoff game a year ago. They were, they were, Andy Reid told us today that the Steelers have beaten the Chiefs in different ways, and technically that's true, but the last two times it was the exact same game. Oh, this, it was both two-point games. Only one was eighteen sixteen, the other was like seventeen fifteen or so, or nineteen seventeen, mm-hmm. something like that. It was the same game, and you know the catalyst of that game, Le'Veon Bell's not playing. But you remember this that that uh, Sunday or Monday night game in Pittsburgh. Before that, it was a it was a curb stomping. I mean, the Steelers just just dragged the Chiefs up and down the field and. Antonio Brown had a great game. Roethlisberger threw four or five touchdown passes. It was just a was it the twenty-one nothing? Like you know, ninety seconds in. I mean, yeah. it was just it was <laughs> and, it was and, crazy. And it was I think it was a rainy night. It was. Too. It was a it rainy was. night. It was. It's supposed to be. It's you know, even though uh, the storm in the east uh, this weekend, it's supposed to be a sunny day in Pittsburgh on um, on, on Sunday. And look, uh, they're going to be ticked. You know, Steelers are not going to be in a good. You know, frame of mind for this one coming off the, a bad tie with the Browns. I'm trying to remember that. What was, what was Tomlin's line? Last time it was like Redemption Sunday when the Chiefs were coming. I mean, I'm, right. I'm sure it's going to be some some other theme like that again. Like, yeah. You know, and 
So, Which is sad that you have to employ that this early in the I, season. I know, but, uh, I know. I might just be holding on to the ball someday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, look, and here's here's a here's a question. Okay, they the, the Steelers are all up in arms. They're mad and fired up. Fine, but maybe they're not that good. Maybe. I mean. That's a team that I think turmoil is probably too strong a word at this point, but there's clear issues. There's a lot of drama. This, I mean, it's like real house, real football players of the Pittsburgh Steelers or something. But you may not know how good they are, but we do know Ben Roethlisberger has been shown himself to be pretty good, and they've got receivers who have shown himself to be pretty good. And with the question still of the secondary, yeah, I mean, I don't think you look past that if you're a Chiefs uh, follower. That you know, this could be, maybe this is the week where all those you know the things that people worried about during the preseason and the secondary, and they don't have this, and they don't have that. This might be the nightmare, you know, that you've sort of been waiting for, depending on how things play out. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it, it definitely right could be. be a nightmare, but you also look at the fact that, I mean, it seems like they're not quite getting along at this point, and to me that plays into it with the fact that, that Le'Veon Bell isn't there, you have his offensive lineman publicly calling him out, him tweeting as soon as the game goes final, the little emoji with the monocle, and which I'm absolutely here for, give me all that drama, but... You have to like how much is this affecting this team's psyche? I mean, I'm not saying that that's completely what contributed to the the tie with Cleveland because six turnovers will certainly contribute to a loss. But you have to wonder like what is going on in that locker room? You do, and you can make a case that, that six turnovers are related to that. It's hard to know, right? But a lot of this game is just state of mind. Mm-hmm. And it, look, we we've seen in history examples of teams that are uh, you know the, the Oakland A's of the early '70s that yeah. probably hated each other and. We're, we're great teams, but I actually think that example is the one, the only one people ever use because most time, most of the time, <laughs> it really is a problem if, if teams aren't in harmony. No, that's right. It's and look, Ooh, you can descent. Pull out some of those, uh, those Yankees teams too. If we want to stick with baseball, right? well, yep, yeah. There's some with Reggie Jackson and those guys. There was some uh, some clashing yeah. going on there, right? I mean, manager involved. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. You, yeah. Bottom line for sure. me though is it, it's. As good a matchup as the Chargers have been for the Chiefs, this one's been equally a bad matchup mm-hmm. for the Chiefs. It's funny how the team that they've dominated was in Week One, and the team that's dominated them is in Week Two. And um, it's just a whenever the Steelers show up on the schedule, and they do almost every year. If they're not, if it's not in the schedule rotation that the NFL has, they're going to play each other because they always finish first in the division, and they those teams align against each other as well. So. Um, so it's always it's been they've been playing each other it seems like every year for, for throughout the Andy Reid era, and for whatever reason the, the the Steelers are a tough team their mo is a toughness right and last year the the the, the Chiefs were kind of seen as a soft team you know and and you know they got pounded they run on whoever you know whether it's Le'Veon Bell or you know the Titans in the, in the playoff game they were able to teams were able to run on the Chiefs and kind of beat them up a little bit. Seems like the Steelers have tended to beat up the Chiefs in these games, and um, and you know that's that's why you have Reggie Ragland on the team now, right? A really tough guy, a run stopper, and uh, we'll, we'll see we'll we'll see what kind of role he has on on Sunday. But I think he's in, he becomes an increasingly important player in this game uh, just because of the. The, the attitudes, at least the reputation of the attitudes of both teams. I think that goes back to St. Joe in that time where, you know, he sort of just stares at the questioner and says, we're going to stop the run. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like that whole question, that whole uh, notion yeah. of them struggling against the run, and he was the one who brought up even the playoff game. And he's like, I know you saw the playoff game. That's going to be different this year. I mean, like he was saying it in St. Joe. Obviously, Hitchens is here now for that reason. Mm-hmm. They went and added some beef to the D-line with guys like Naughty. I mean, you know, that's sort of what the, you know, that was all, that was a catalyst for all of that. So now here's the first test of, you know, what they've done. How does it actually play out? Actually, I think that that leads in perfectly to my next question of, you know, the Chiefs were soft last year or perceived as a soft team. Steelers are not. How much has that culture changed around here with the acquisition of Reggie Ragland? I mean, does this seem like a team that maybe pound for pound can fight, be physical, hopefully not throw actual, any actual punches with the Steelers? But how different does, does this team feel this year compared to last year? Well, that, being physical is what it's about, right? It's it, to me, it's not just in the trenches. It's wide receivers holding blocks and wide receivers, you know, s- snatching the ball away when it's a fifty-fifty type of ball. It's um, you know, running backs running with with a lot of strength. And you know, Kareem Hunt's a strong runner. 
Um, it's 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 that Spencer Ware is the same type of guy. I, I maybe we'll see if the Chiefs are better equipped, but I think that they're. I think they accepted the idea a little bit more last year that, mm. that that was an issue for them, especially after the playoff loss, that they had to get tougher. And some of the offs and look, drafting nothing but defensive guys, uh, you know, we, we may have spoke to that a little bit as well. And as you, you know, Hitchens and look, look if you just look at uh, Fuller is different than Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters is the playmaker, but Fuller makes tackles. I mean, it, there's a physicality there that that wasn't there. Wasn't there. I think mm-hmm. I remember if it was Sports Center. I think it was one of the sports centers just the other day where they, I mean, I think actually it was yesterday, where they were showing the highlight of uh, Marshawn Lynch running through the entire defense, and they said, there's 10 guys on this tackle, <laughs> and there's one who wanted no part. <laughs> and, uh, I forget, uh, it might not have been, it was definitely one of the ESPN shows where they pointed out the fact that, you know, Peters was the one who was not any, not even in the picture on that one, and you don't get that with full. And that might have been extenuating circumstances with Marshawn Lynch, just some kind of gentleman's agreement between them. I mean, I don't, I don't know. They're, they're pretty close. Right. That's it. <laughs> Man, you know what? We've got to stop filming these in the afternoon. I keep getting this afternoon lull. I don't know about you guys. This post-lunch, like it's nap time. But it's not. It's time to continue to talk about the Chiefs. So It's time to pick it up, actually. Put some pep in my step. And have a little step. juice afterwards so you can type. That's exactly what we need to do. I know. I keep drinking it like there's caffeine in it. It's not. It's just vitamin water. Um, but you get the vitamin water when you go? Yeah, well, we have soda in the fridge back there, so I'm trying to hydrate um, and be healthy-ish. Think. Yeah, can we also get a Dasani oh, sponsorship? <laughs> <laughs> what are you at the NCAA tournament? <laughs> Where's your green I, I, cup? I have to hide it if I do that. Yeah, yeah. we're only sponsored by Subway. Jeez, can you not like make us compete? Um, but I, we we mentioned no Le'Veon Bell earlier, and I think Lynn at one point was talking about doing something on the way that that these teams are not traditionally shaped anymore with the running back being kind of the focal point. I mean, how how much is that going to be a factor going into this week? Well, I mean, I think for them with Connor, and um, I know they have at least a few guys that they feel, or they at least, or the way they talk is that they feel comfortable with, and Connor being the main guy. Um, I think that's just sort of the way of the NFL now, and I think teams are sort of built more for that than they were in the past when, you know, I mean, people go back to that, um, remember which year in the early 90s it was, but Emmitt Smith holds out the first two games, they lose the two games, and that stat was going all over the place about... Um, you know, team doesn't start 0-3 or 0-4 and right. make it to the Super Bowl. And then, sure enough, they sign Emmett back. They go to the Super Bowl, and Emmett leads the way. And, you know, it was made, I think at the time, didn't he sign for the most of any running back? The richest, yeah, yeah. richest contract. Yeah. Which and I'm sure so, is just peanuts now yeah, compared yeah, to now this money. You know, that's pocket change now probably. But um, that sort of has gone away, and that's sort of what we're seeing now with teams that are just plug-and-play guys every year. And Pittsburgh clearly has drawn a line in the sand, at least thus far, with – Le'Veon saying, yeah, we know how good you are, we know what you can do for this offense, but that's not today's football anymore. We're going to invest or in you long-term because of the position you play. Did you see how the offensive line celebrated Connor's touchdown run on against the Browns? No, what happened? They went, well, they just went crazy. when he, It was a 15, 17-yard touchdown run, and the offensive line just exploded. A clear message to Le'Veon Bell from the, from the Steelers offensive line. I mean, I don't know. If I'm Le'Veon Bell, I'm, tr- I'm holding out. I mean, Todd Gurley got paid, and to me, Le'Veon Bell is the better runner. And you see this guy across the country, they're just throwing money at him, and that's just not what the Steelers do. So I'm frustrated if I'm him, and I can kind of understand it. You're putting your body on the line for, for this team, and they're not investing in you what you think you're worth. So what was the approximation of what he missed by missing one game, like 875000 Yeah, 800 yeah. Plus. Pocket change. You know. yeah. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what, if you're a Steelers fan, how frustrated are you? And who are you mad at? Are you mad at Bell? Are yeah. you mad at the team? Who Are you mad at Bell's agent? I, I, don't I think all of the above. I, mean, I, I also think that there's a lot of misplaced anger at the players because, I mean, trying to put myself in that position, knowing what you're risking on a daily basis. I mean, not just the short term with the injuries and – you know the the things that could that could take you out of the game for a year or two, but looking long term, I mean, you're setting yourself up for CTE or other neurological conditions or you know concussions. If if that kind of money is out there, I'd be trying to get it so that not only am I set up for life, but my family is knowing that there may come a day, you know, one day soon that that you can't provide the way that maybe you thought you would be able to provide long term because of what football has taken from you. And obviously, that's a personal choice to continue to play. But 
that's a factor. And if that money's out there, the NFL is a multi-billion dollar industry. Sure. You know, there's the money's there. You know, it'll be probably subject for another day, but... You know, Tyreek Hill's in the third year of his, you know, third year of his career. It's perfect timing. Someone asked if Tyreek was going to get uh, Odell money. Well, it's 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 beyond time for the Chiefs to start thinking about that, and I'm sure mm-hmm. Brett Veach has started thinking about what, you know, how, how they're going to handle Tyreek, especially if this season continues in anything close to what his first game was. Um, that's a decision. Look, you can make a case that the the Chiefs. Best window of opportunity with with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill is this year and next, mm-hmm. just because of you know, how much money they're saving. They're on the rookie contracts and saving that you know, the Chiefs get to spend money elsewhere. And are they spending that money wisely? You know, I, you know that kind of remains to be seen. But to have two premium players on the rookie contract is um, you know that's that's how the Seahawks did it with Russell Wilson and, and, and were able to build their defense and spend money on their defense. So. Um, it, that is, it's a, it's a decision that'll have to be made here pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's see what else should we cover. You know, somebody asked a question about Travis Kelsey asking, you know, what was going on with him? Is he going to be this uninvolved in the offense every game? I think the answer to that is no, he's going to be involved a little bit more, but how do you guys kind of diagnose what happened with, with Travis Kelsey's game this year or this last week? I, my quick thought is just it's a game-to-game thing right I, we could just as easily this week see him be the focal point yeah um and who knows i mean that that's now here's here's andy trying to outthink pittsburgh trying to outthink andy trying to outthink pittsburgh i mean who knows how they'll do that but i think we alluded to this um the other night we've seen games where you see a whole package seemingly dedicated to one guy or an emphasis put that way and i i think travis Travis just had kind of a, a quiet game, partly because he dropped the ball, partly because I, I think he was he was just a, a alternative route a couple times, and when bigger plays were available. I'll tell you what. Now that I think about it, it's a good thing that he, he caught a five yard pass early in the game, mm-hmm. and then he didn't catch another ball. He dropped one, in fact, mm-hmm. and I, I just think he wasn't he wasn't mentally there. But he's got a consecutive catch streak, uh, game streak going. And if he doesn't catch that early ball and he drops the second one, that may, that may have ended for him. And I know that's, that's important to him. Well, Brooke and Lynn, one of you guys, or both of you guys brought this up the other day about, you know, is he a guy that needs to get the ball in, in not just early in the game, but in a, in a uh, sort of intermediate kind of sequence where he's, he's, you know, producing something to get the juices flowing. And, it might be that actually he is. I don't know if we could do a real study of that on how he plays in the second half of games where he doesn't do much, but but I would bet there's a correlation, actually. Mm-hmm. And I would say, at least schematically, I feel like he's one of those guys that even when he's not involved in terms of statistics, he's always involved. I and mean, he's one of the guys that was, I mean, I think it was him, the offensive line, and Mahomes were the only guys offensively who played every snap of the game. And because he moves around, because the defense has to be aware of him, I feel like he's always setting things up now. Part of the reason statistically he didn't have such a big game is because he was targeted six uh, six times and had one catch. So there was drops in there, and you know I'm, tra- I'm trying to remember if there was a misfire. There, there was an overthrow for mm-hmm. one for sure. Overthrow. Yeah. But, I mean, so there were. I mean, like if he catches five of those, maybe we're not talking so much about him not being involved. But also, I mean, I think there were times where I think just the defense is so conscious of him. I mean, like even that that play to Sherman, we heard them talk about. I mean, like the idea was that. They went over at least three times during the week that they were trying to, you know, play it out where the defense adjusts to Sherman and Kelsey is the guy that they probably wanted to get that ball. But the defense never did in practice, and they didn't in the, in the, in the game, and so that's why Sherman gets the ball, and that's, you know, it's a, t- it's a touchdown because the defense just, they're not going to drop off of Kelsey because people have seen what he can do. <laughs> and they say, if we're going to leave somebody, we're going to leave, you know, as... Andy referred to him uh, <laughs> very uh, lovingly as the sausage. <laughs> with hands. With sausage, yeah, the yeah. sausage with hands. That's a mental so. image you don't need to <laughs> but, see. Yeah, but I mean, it's just the way... Now it's not even mental. Now it's literally right beside Sorry. me. Yeah. <laughs> the, the way that Kelsey... Yeah, it'll be in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you need to jiff that. <laughs> but, yeah, so the way that Kelsey um, sort of sets the table for things, I think he's always involved whether the stats really... So, well, that take that another step then, though. If if he is always involved, you think then it's really just coincidence if he's 
Did he didn't have numbers? I mean, it, it, well, it, I I mean is, he, is he unhappy after a game like that? I wouldn't say coincidence. I mean, I think it was. I mean, it was some drops and some. I think the defense paying attention to him. I mean, because I think there are times when you just look at the way, even just the way they line up, they're forcing the defense to say, okay, either you're going to leave him one on one, or you're going to, you know, be vulnerable here, or you're going to leave some things open on the other side of the field. And sometimes the defense is going to say, nope, Kelsey's not going to be this. And sometimes they're going to say, well, then you're going to make you make that play on the other side of the field. So, I mean, I don't think it's. Coincidence, I think it's drops in the decisions the defense makes that opens up other things elsewhere. I mean, other places. Well, we've been going for about 30 minutes, I believe, which I feel like means it's time that we, I don't know, throw out some score predictions, some game predictions, which is fitting because the question on here is will KC finally beat Pittsburgh? So we have to answer the question if it's in uh, the Facebook Live comments. So let's go score prediction, out, score prediction, outcome, and I don't know a, a mock headline for the game. Not it doesn't have to be like snappy, but maybe maybe a nut graph from the game or a subhead from the game or a sentence about what you think is going to happen. Oh my god, this is just killing me. This is so complicated. A subhead. You got to go just the what happened, the score, and how it happened. All right. Let me first. Headline well, keywords. <laughs> <laughs> that, your SEO, SEO headline. This is this is this is what happened. It, it sort of started rattling me with all that. Um, so Pittsburgh, uh, twenty-seven. Chiefs twenty-four. Um, late rally falls short uh, as Steelers continue dominance of Chiefs. Seems like it was over eighty characters, but we'll let it slide. <laughs> uh, Lynn, what you got? Oh, I'm trying to remember what I did when I had to pick game by game. I really don't remember. But since I picked against the Chiefs last week, I'm going to pick them this week, and I'll say they win. Hmm, let's go 31-28, and uh, headline is uh, uh, we'll say since we talked about toughness, we'll say tough enough. <laughs> they were just tough enough. I like it. Point win. I like it. Blair, what you got? 26-23 Steelers. Same old, same old. <laughs> uh, I had, so when you when you mentioned earlier, oh, it's going to be sunny in Pittsburgh. In my mind, it was actually going to be rainy because that's what the forecast said at one point. So I said the score earlier today on the radio in the interest of keeping it, you know, uniform. I'll keep the same one. I think I had the Chiefs winning 21-19 because I thought it was going to be in the rain. It was going to be a lower scoring game. I'm probably wrong. Um... And I'm saying that uh, Mahomes does it again. He has another, you know, maybe not AFC player of the week worthy game, but he has another really strong performance against a Steelers defense that um, is tough, but he's a little bit tougher. That is way over 80 Okay, I, I, gave, I gave you the headline and then I gave you the nut graph. So you just, there was a pause in there. It wasn't all one sentence. I knew you'd have something to, to like pin I gave right you the back headline and, so. and the SEO summary. <laughs> I also make the rules so I can break them. That's why I make them. Before we get out, though, can I? Brooke is wearing a North Carolina T-shirt. I know we have people that watch Me. from all over the country, including Carolinas. And Brooke, Brooke is from North Carolina. I grew up in North Carolina. If anybody's watching from the Carolinas, you guys take care of yourselves this weekend. Make sure to charge up all your phones, laptops, the flashlights, the whole shebang, and stay safe. Um, and we will be back. Sunday night for a wrap-up from Pittsburgh. We'll also post this on our podcast sometime tomorrow, along with an interview with one of the Pittsburgh Steelers beat writers, so stay tuned for that. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass. Unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just $0.08 cents a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash Sports Pass.
everyone, I'm Brooke Pryor, back with the KC Sports Beat. Uh, on the phone, I have Steelers beat writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Ray Fittipaldo. Ray, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you down there? Oh, not too bad. Looking forward to trying to navigate my way out to Pittsburgh and avoid the hurricane that will be kind of in my way. Uh I was just looking at the injury report that was released yesterday, and man, there were a lot of Steelers players on that. Figured you were probably the best person to ask, what's going on over there? How many of these guys are are we going to see Sunday, and and how many of them were just kind of a precautionary vet day situation? Well, I think the biggest one you're looking at is quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. I think he's going to be okay He's got a bruised elbow. He did not practice Wednesday, but I would imagine that uh, he'll be out there on Sunday. Uh, Now, as far as the other ones go, um, I'm not too sure. Joe Hayden uh, pulled his hamstring late in the Browns game. I don't think he's going to play. He did not practice Wednesday. Um, I do not think he's going to be 100% by Sunday. And with those soft tissue injuries, especially early in the season, there's no reason to push it now. I would expect second-year corner Cam Sutton out of Tennessee uh, to get uh, the start in his place. And then the other big one was right guard, all-pro David DeCastro, fractured a bone in his hand. And after the game, David said he was going to be okay. He was going to play through it. That was Sunday, Sunday late afternoon, obviously. But uh, by Wednesday afternoon, he spoke to us in the locker room. And uh, the hand is still swollen. He cannot get fitted for a brace until the swelling goes down. So I would say right now he's very doubtful. Unless that swelling goes down uh, here in the next day or two and he's able to get fitted for a brace, um, I don't think he's going to play either. So that's two really key guys for the Steelers um, that they're probably going to be missing on Sunday. Right, and I mean, looking at those injuries, how much does that affect what the Steelers are going to want to do against the Chiefs? Well, if you remember the last couple of meetings, they've run the ball extremely well against that Chiefs defense. Um, three games, they've had 149 yards rushing or more in each of those games, including that playoff game down there. So they've really had their way um, with that Chiefs run. Um, now, B.J. Finney has filled in for the, in the past. Uh, for left guard Ramon Foster, they haven't really missed a beat um, with B.J. Finney in the lineup. And B.J. Finney is going to be the guy who's called upon to take the Castro's place. But there's a big difference between left guard Ramon Foster and the all-pro David DeCastro. So we'll see if Finney is able to fill in as well over on the right side um, as he has on the left side. Coincidentally, a couple of those uh, times that Finney has filled in, because of a foster injury, has been against the Chiefs in recent years. And as we said, the Steelers have done very well with Finney rushing the ball. So um, I think the Steelers are confident in Finney, but um, uh, that is a big part of their offense. Um, James Conner had a very nice debut running the ball, and he'll try to keep it going this week, even if Finney does have to be in there. That's actually the perfect jumping-off point, looking at uh, James Conner and we asked Andy Reid about that yesterday, uh, about the potential, and sounds pretty pretty likely that, that Le'Veon Bell's not playing on Sunday and how much that affects what the Steelers are able to do against the Chiefs because, I mean, looking at Le'Veon's numbers the last couple of years, he's just been a one-man wrecking ball. Um, but as Andy Reid noted, James Conner's a pretty good runner too. I mean, how much is, is James Conner going to be able to, I don't know if replicate's the right word, but be able to kind of pick up where where Le'Veon's left off against the Chiefs in the last couple of years? Yeah, well, Bill's a special player, so um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Steelers are going to have a repeat performance, but I can tell you that they haven't changed their offense with James Conner. So everything they did with Le'Veon Bell, they continue to do with James Conner, and they didn't sub him out very much um, in the opener against the Browns. He he had 39 touches. He he was a three-down back. He caught the ball out of the backfield. He stayed in for the important third and long uh, blitz pickups. So um, he didn't come off the field, and that's exactly the way they used Le'Veon Bell as well. So, um, you know, James Conner isn't as good as Le'Veon Bell, but there's no reason to believe that this Steelers offense – 
can't keep chugging along um, with James Conner. If you look at the stats from the Browns game, um, in ter- some terrible conditions, they weren't able to score as many touchdowns or kick as many field goals as they'd like, but they still racked up 472 yards of offense. So, um, you know, James Conner's a good back. Um, I think he'll give the, the, the Chiefs defense a run for their money, but yeah, he's not Le'Veon Bell either. <laughs> well, you know, with with Le'Veon gone and, you know, the holdout, obviously, you know, there's the filling in for him physically that you need another guy there. But how much is his absence taking a toll on the locker room as a whole? I mean, is this something that is affecting their, I don't know, their day-to-day psyche or, or their chemistry or anything like that? Well, I can tell you they're all sick of the storyline. They're all <laughs> sick of having to answer those questions, you know, every single day or every single week. I mean, you know, we last talked to them Sunday, and they were presented with the same questions again yesterday when that locker room opened up. So I'm sure it's not fun for them. But, um, listen, they're going to roll with James Conner. You know, they also understand that this is a business and that Le'Veon Bell doesn't have to show up here until November if he doesn't wish to. And they have a football season to play. And before the season started, um, they were one of the favorites in the AFC. So um, they're going to try to keep, uh, you know, keep it going with Hot Bell and, you know, wait until he shows up. But as far as the chemistry goes, I actually think if they can win games, I actually think this might be a rallying point for them, like a sort of us-against-the-world mentality because so many people are expecting them um, to have some drop-off because Bell's not there. Right. Well, and that seems like it could spell danger for the Chiefs, especially considering the Steelers are coming off that tie against the Browns. I don't know if the tie is better or worse than a loss in terms of, I don't know, motivation. It seems like the Chiefs would not want to deal with a really angry bunch of Steelers right now. I mean, do you get the sense that this locker room is, I don't know, chomping at the bit to show that that they can win a game without without Le'Veon and just win a game in general? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they were they were well on their way to doing that, and they just had some unfortunate things happen. The James Conner fumble happened with a 14-point lead uh, with seven and a half minutes to go, and they just weren't able to close that game out the way they, they wanted to. They Really, they outplayed the Browns in all facets, and I think that the thing that's going to hurt the Pittsburgh Steelers is you can't lose to teams like the Cleveland Browns when you know the Cleveland Browns aren't going to beat other teams in your division. So I, I think you're right. I think they are a little bit ticked off and they are going to be motivated. Um, but having said that, that motivation only goes so far. They know what the Kansas City Chiefs did against the Chargers in the opener. They know they're going to be facing a different type of offense um, with Patrick Mahomes in there instead of Alex Smith the last couple of years. So, Maybe that success that they've had against the Chiefs, um, maybe some of the stuff they do translate, but maybe this is some of the stuff that they have done in the past they might have to tweak as well because Mahomes is such a different quarterback than Alex was. So, um, you know, if Alex was still there, I would tell you that I, I think the Steelers would win this game and probably win this game rather handily. I just think the unknown um, with that new offense, I, I think a lot of people are like me and, you know, they're sort of wondering – um, how that's going to play against the Steelers' defense. Right, no kidding. Well, we'll get to, to score predictions at the end of this, but I want to go over a couple other aspects of the game. And I was just reading your your story on James Washington, and I was covering OU until about, oh, I don't know, two, three months ago. So I know a lot about OSU. I saw a lot of James Washington, and he's a guy that I've been really excited to see on the pro level how, how has he been developing so far this season? Is he going to be a threat on Sunday that the Chiefs really have to worry about? Well, it's been interesting because on draft night, um, they traded Martavis Bryant away to the Raiders, and they drafted James Washington in the second round, knowing that they needed a deep threat in that offense and knowing that they needed a number three receiver. And here in the opener against the Browns, and really throughout training camp, James Washington was kind of working with the second team a lot, and he wasn't getting a lot of reps with the first-team offense. They've gone with Justin Hunter, also a former second-round pick, but he's kind of been a journeyman. Uh, He's in his second season with the Steelers, has never really caught on. And I think a lot of people in Pittsburgh are wondering, when is James Washington going to get his chance? Um, It's almost to the point now where a lot 
think they have to force feed him into the offense, even if he's not ready. Um, even if he's not 100% with the playbook, they got to get him in there because that third receiver in this offense has been so important the last couple of years. Listen, teams like Bob Sutton's going to try to take away Antonio Brown. He's going to do everything he can to, to limit Juju Smith-Schuster. That's why Mark Davis Bryant was so good for this offense in previous years. He was able to make some plays down the field when teams tried to take the top two options um, away. So they don't have that option now. And Justin Hunter probably isn't going to be uh, a Mark Davis Bryant type of player. So I don't know if it's going to happen this week, Brooke. Um, but I, I do think the Steelers' offense will be much better when James Washington is in there. It just doesn't seem like the coaches feel like he's ready uh, to take on a big role yet. Right. Well, and going over to the other side of the ball, you know, the, the Chiefs had the AFC Offensive Player of the Week and the AFC Defensive Player of the Week is on the, the Steelers and TJ Watt. Um, is he going to be the, the defensive player that causes the most problems for the Chiefs on Sunday? Or, or is there someone else that you would point to that, that Chiefs fans and the Chiefs uh, offense should look at it and be a little bit concerned about? Well, the interior of that Chiefs offensive line, they've had a lot of problems with Cam Hayward, Stephon Tewitt in these last couple of meetings as well. So I would say that that front four, that front five, depending if they're in base or nickel, um, you know, the offensive line versus that defensive line matchup is going to be big, I think. Um, Cam Hayward has had some big games against the Chiefs. Um, but, you know, to your point about T.J. Watt, I think he's really going to come into his own this year. He was talking yesterday um, in the locker room after practice how he's much more comfortable on the left side of that defense than the right side, which is where he played as a rookie last year. Um, so he flips sides with Bud Dupree. They're thinking Bud Dupree also is going to be more effective on the right side. But if I had to pick out two players that the, the Chiefs should be concerned about, I would say T.J. Watt in defensive end Cam Hayward. Okay, and you mentioned earlier that Joe Hayden is probably not going to be playing. How much does that that change the makeup and the effectiveness of the secondary? Well, Cam Sutton's going to be tested, no doubt. Uh, As soon as Joe Hayden left the lineup, the Browns tested Sutton. They're able to get the game time. Touched and Sutton was in coverage on Josh Gordon with just a little little over two minutes left in that game. So... um, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to prove that uh, that he's a good player. And uh, I, I think this, the thing that the Steelers are um, encouraged about is Sutton came up with a big interception with uh, 16 seconds left um, in that regulation before overtime where he sort of helped them preserve the tie when the Browns were driving and, you know, they had a chance to kick the game-winning field goal. So Sutton's a third-round pick. He's got the pedigree. Um, he hasn't played a lot because he's played enough to the point where I think the Steelers are going to be comfortable uh, if he has to play for a game or two um, without Joe Hayden. And when you look at what the Chiefs have been able to do offensively against the Chargers, Tyreek Hill was just a monster, and Kareem Hunt was had a, a quieter game. Travis Kelsey had a quieter game. If you're the Steelers and, and you're looking at what your defensive strengths are, are you trying to take away Tyree Kill's game? Are you trying to limit Kareem Hunt? I mean, what's what's kind of the best path forward for the Steelers to, to limit the Chiefs' offense? Well, they always try to take away the run first. They did a really good job on Kareem Hunt in that regular season game in Kansas City last year. Um, and then once they stopped the run, they were able to you know get after the quarterback a little bit. And um, that's really you know the, the way that defense is, is designed. Um, it's the stuff to run first and then just sort of pin your ears back and rush the passer. Having said that, they've also done a nice job on Tyreek Hill in these last couple of meetings. I, I was looking up the stats. Tyreek Hill has never had more than 30, 34 receiving yards in a game against the Steelers uh, in those past three meetings the last two years. So um, I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, maybe Alex Smith being in the game and the Steelers doing a nice job of, Know, sort of containing that West Coast offense and that short passing game. Um, it's going to be interesting to me to see how they do with a guy who likes to throw the ball deep down the field more, and that's probably plays more into what Tyreek Hill is and you know how the Chiefs probably want to use him. So the Chiefs will have to guard against that, but I think they're encouraged by the fact that they've shut him down 
um, pretty effective here, pretty effectively here in the last uh, couple of meetings where they faced Hill. No kidding. Well, we've covered the offense, the defense. It's only natural that we go to the special teams next. And you guys now have uh, the Steelers now have Ryan Switzer. Another guy that I covered in uh, when he was in college, I went to UNC. I Switzer is, I think, maybe a year or two younger than me, so I'm personally excited to see him play. Um, I covered at least one game at Heinz Field when, when Switzer had so many, a couple different, I think, special teams touchdowns, receiving touchdowns, so... I know what he can do at, on that field as a college player. What have what's he been able to do as an NFL player? He was really good. The Steelers acquired him in the trade just a week before the regular season started, and uh, they inserted him right away as the kick and punt returner. And he did very well in both aspects. I think he averaged, um, I think, eleven yards per punt return, and that's really something the Steelers have tr- been trying to. Um, They've been trying to find a replacement for Antonio Brown the last couple of years just because they don't want to put Antonio Brown back there and, you know, subject him to, to a possible injury. So I think they're really happy with, with Switzer in the return game. Um, he had one target on offense. It was a drop. Um, quite honestly, I don't know how much they plan to use him on offense. I think, you know, for the most part, they're going to look to him to, to be a quality returner and, you know, to set them up with good field position. But, he is a fourth-round pick, and maybe down the road um, he could fit into this offense. But right now, I, I just think they're looking for him to, to to be a good punt and kick returner. Can he have the same you know game-changing ability? I mean, nobody's Tyreek Hill, but you know Tyreek Hill opens up against the Chargers with that punt return touchdown. Is that the kind of explosiveness that the Chiefs have to be worried about with with Ryan Switzer? Well, he didn't show that against the Browns, but he was very effective. I think he. You know, he, he, I think he had a 20-yarder in there. And, um, you know, you look around the league now, and a lot of times guys are just um, happy to fair catch it. And, you know, they don't want to take the risk of fumbling. With Ryan Switzer, he's always catching that ball, and he's always getting positive yardage. So I, I think the Steelers like that. Um, when Antonio Brown hasn't been back there in recent years, um, they've had Eli Rogers, who's currently on IR, and, Eli was an okay punt returner, but he just wasn't explosive, and he didn't have as many moves as Switzer. So um, I think they they like what they see out of Switzer, and really, you know, you can't count on those long punt returns for touchdowns all the time. I think what you're looking for, you know, is those good 8, 10, 12, and occasionally longer punt returns, and I think Ryan Switzer can, can certainly do that for the Steelers. Gotcha. Well, we have covered all phases of the game, which means it's time for, for score predictions um, I made mine yesterday. Um, I kind of want to revise it because when I made it, I thought maybe it was going to be raining in Pittsburgh. Now I think the forecast is that it's sunny, but I have the Chiefs winning 21-19, which, again, I think if if the Chiefs defense is able to hold the Steelers to 19 points, then a miracle has occurred at the field. So I will probably need to <laughs> Probably need to revise that closer to game time, but I've said that score like two times now, and I feel like I can't change, even though I kind of regret it. Um, what What's your score prediction, and what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think the Steelers, as you mentioned earlier, they're going to be a little bit ticked off. Um, ben Roethlisberger always plays much better at home than he does on the road. Um, and they've had the Chiefs number the last couple of years, not only their defense doing a good job against that Chiefs offense, but Ben Roethlisberger's had some big games too, including a five-touchdown, no-interception game two years ago, um, right around this time of year, in fact. So I'm going to go Steelers 31, Chiefs 24. I just think the Steelers will score more points. Um, I am a little bit... uh, I do think Patrick Mahomes is uh, is probably going to have a good game against the Steelers' defense. I just think uh, the Steelers' offense will get it done, and that's why I'm going to go Steelers by seven. All right. Well, if uh, if folks here want to follow your work, where is the best place that, that they can follow you on social media or the Internet or, or, or wherever else? Uh, my Twitter handle is RayFit1, R-A-Y-F-I-T-T, numeral one. And uh, all of our Steelers stories are on post-gazette.com. Great. Well, we'll look forward to 
seeing you uh, out at Heinz Field later this week. Hopefully it is not raining. It looks like that hurricane is going to stay south uh, for at least through the duration of our trip. Um, And yeah, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. No problem. We'll see you on Sunday afternoon.